Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome this evening to the Agree to Disagree show, episode 13. Already lucky number 13. Yes, for Italians, 13 is a lucky number. I'm your host, Luigi C, guys. Um, As always, every week, guys, we are streaming live on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And as well, this will be available for you in a podcast form, audio form only, uh, later on this evening or tomorrow morning. As I tell you also, uh, let's be an interactive guys. Put your comments on the screen. Just to say hi, ask questions to our special guest tonight. Uh, and as well, I'm gonna ask you to please subscribe to my Facebook page at Agree to Disagree Show or my podcast available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which I share on my social media as well. Guys, tonight I'm so excited. I really am just because I, I've, I've grown up listening to this, uh, what I call a Montreal radio legend. And I'm completely thrilled that he had decided to to be on the show tonight. Uh, he is a true gentleman. And I'm uh, really, really glad to, to introduce, in his own words, here it is. He's been on the radio for parts of five decades, 1978 to the present, and it still doesn't seem like work. It's in his own words. It never does when you're passionate about what you do. Started in Charlottetown, also did a five-year stint in Toronto before moving to Montreal for good in 1985. Morning Man at the Jewel 106.7 FM since March of 2015 and enjoying doing radio in its purest form as a highly localized endeavor that serves and relates to the people in the community. Guys, I want you to welcome a Montreal radio legend, Ted Bird, to the show. What's up, Ted? Luigi, come stai? Sto bene, grazie, lei. Benissimo. I have a feeling we're going to speak. We're going to be talking a lot about Italy and, in particular, Sicily tonight. Well, it's uh, I'm uh, I'm totally on board with that. If that's what you want to do, <laughs> awesome, Ted. First of all, I wanna I wanna say a huge thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy man, and I really do appreciate this. For me, this is uh, I just started doing my show. As you can see, it's only my thirteenth. Podcast or episode, and for you to do the show for me, uh, it really means a lot for taking the time and uh, and uh, doing this with me. So it's it's truly a pleasure, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, listen, a I like doing these things, and b uh, these days it's not like there's anything else to do. What you know, <laughs> what else am I going to do? Go out and get arrested for going out? <laughs> That's true. Man. You know what? When I started, I started during COVID. I'm like. Hey, why are these people getting like like Joey Elias or 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 Dan Laxer? I'm sure that you know from CJD. Sure. Uh, why would they say no to me? They all said I have nothing else to do. Sure, I'll do the show with you. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's not like okay, well, Luigi's the last resort. If we got to do the Luigi show, we'll do the Luigi show. It's not like that. I would have done this in any circumstance, but these yeah. days, especially, like I say, I would have, you know, otherwise, I would have, I'd be sitting over there on the couch. 
looking at the Amazon Prime guide and going, you know, which Czechoslovakian film with Slovenian subtitles am I going to watch tonight? Because I've watched everything else. I, that's what everyone keeps telling me. Like, what else can we possibly watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, in me, whatever streaming services that we're using these days? Yeah, you know, I actually, uh, I actually uh, canceled my Netflix subscription. Okay. Uh, because of that, because of uh, the movie Cuties. Are you familiar with that movie and the controversy surrounding it? Yes, I am. And uh, wow, we're gonna go there. Okay, let's do this. I, yeah, I, I'll go I, there. Sure. I okay. I I didn't watch it. So I, so tell me. I'm 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 disgusted by just the sheer uh, reading up on it and just what it beauty pageants and all that so 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 give me your take on that ted well it's a story about five young girls in france uh i'm not sure if they're in paris it's a french film and uh they become uh, competitive dancers they're 11 years old and the choreography and other elements of the film are highly sexualized and the way that that's rationalized by the people who made the film and also by the critics who are favorable towards the film is that it's a, uh, it's a poignant coming of age tale and that uh, 11 year old girls discovering their sexuality is part of coming of age. And I have two daughters and one is about that age. And when I watched the, and I watched the movie so that I would know what I was talking about and so that I could make a decision based on, something that I was knowledgeable about. I watched the movie and I thought to myself, you know what, as the father of a 12-year-old girl and the father of a 30-year-old woman who once was a 12-year-old girl, mm -hmm. I find that I find that inappropriate. You know, I wasn't necessarily offended by it, but I thought to myself, on principle, I'm going to uh, cancel my Netflix subscription. So I, I canceled Netflix and I'm still on Amazon Prime and most of what I want to see, I can get. Uh, on Amazon Prime, and I just, uh, I, ju I just thought that a message uh, had to be delivered because it, it seems to me, and I heard people say this a number of years ago, and they were kind of dismissed as, as crackpots. Uh, people said the next thing to be normalized, or or the next thing that there will be attempts made to normalize it, will be child sexuality, or uh, pedophilia, and whether that's true or not. Uh, I am certainly vehemently opposed to it, not only as the father of two daughters, but just as a basic, fundamental, decent human being. The sexualization um, of children to me is just that's 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 completely off limits. Well, I'm glad you went there, uh, Ted, because I feel extremely um, as 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 adamant as you are and very serious about this subject that I, I believe is not talked about enough. Uh, I have two children. I have two boys, eleven and seven. Um, and yes, I'm worried about uh, the 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 lack of of two things: the lack of the discussion around um, minor sexuality, and also the demonizing of pedophilia and try to normalize it. I'm not sure if you are. Do you, do you watch TED Talks? I don't. Ironically, no, I, I, okay. I'm familiar with what you're talking about, but I, as a as a rule or a habit, no, I don't watch. Okay, them. so I I watched this TED talk. Came across this TED talk where there was a uh, I don't recall what the woman was in terms of her profession, but basically she's saying that pedophilia should be treated as a a, a disorder, and I could not believe for the life of me with with the 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 audience that they have that TED talks would even allow this woman 
to spew this nonsense on on such a huge platform. I just couldn't believe it. And and I agree with you 100% that, first of all, I'm not sure if it's, if, for whatever reason, it's being talked about, which is a good thing in terms of, of sexual, uh, you know, my, minorities, uh, sorry, minors, but also just pedophilia and trying to normalize this. And I'm not sure why it's coming out more in the news today. You- well, the normalization to me, the attempt to uh, normalizing it is the attempt to to um, to not only rationalize it, but but kind of make it seem OK. I don't necessarily disagree with the woman that it's that it that it's a disorder, because that is certainly, um, you know, it's it's a it's a perversion and it's a, it's it's deviant behavior. Uh, so I don't necessarily disagree with her that it's a disorder, but even, you know, just that it, because it's a disorder doesn't make it okay. And that's, and there's no reason to, to rationalize it just like, you know, any more than, than, uh, you know, kleptomania theft is, you know, kleptomania is a disorder, uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't excuse or rationalize theft. I, I, I just, I, I could agree with you in, in, in a certain way, but what I the way I see things and and my perspective on pedophilia is that I don't I don't believe you could be cured from it. I really cannot. It's it, because from from what all the reports and all the the studies I've read is that they they just learn to control it. But at, and at any given time, given the opportunity, will this person act upon their 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 urges to to rape or have sex with minors? And just the long term effects that this has on our on on a child. Is is irreversible. We all know those long term well, effects, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, and that I, that's the real that's the real crime of it. That's right. And, and, tragedy, and, I, and tragedy of it. Absolutely. And I, I completely commend you for taking that stance and and not supporting Netflix because this is a coming of age story. Oh yeah, coming of age story at eleven years old is is coming of age story and sexualizing these these kids for lack of a better term. How how old are the kids? In this, in this they're show, 11. on average, the girls, the girls are eleven. They're all eleven years old. I mean, I, I can, I have an eleven-year-old Ted. I can't even, yeah. I can't even fathom that. I really yeah. can't. Yeah. I, another part of the Martin. Another part of the problem I think today is that is that uh, there's kids are exposed to so much and have access to so much because of of the internet. Like I think, you know, without real strong parental guidance kids perception of sexuality can become very uh very skewed by by what's available on the internet i mean it's crazy christ you know if the, yeah. if the internet ex- had existed when i was a teenager i probably would have <laughs> masturbated myself to death luigi i was gonna say the exact same thing <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> I, 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 I was can lucky you... if, i was lucky if i found the old man's playboy magazine you know hidden underneath his uh, socks in his dresser drawer that was the jackpot. But today, holy Christ, it's unbelievable. It, it really is. I come from the generation. Remember those 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 scramble channels that we had to go mm. Bleu Nuit and Emmanuel? Nuit. Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh my hey, God. I think I, I saw a nipple. <laughs> bro, I think I saw half a breast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't even imagine what it is, um, you know, um, growing up in this generation. All I could imagine, and you and I are living it now, is parenting in this day and age. Yeah, you got to stay on top of it and you have to set the right example. And I think you can't stay on top of them 24/7, so to me, it's it's always been about just setting the right example, you know, behaving the way that I would like my 
children to behave. And that's worked out pretty well for the most part. I have a son who's 21 and who is already, he's already the man who I still aspire to be. (laughs) So I must've done something right somewhere along the line, you know, shit in the pile. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's, that's all we could do. Right. I mean, we, we look at all our errors growing up and then we try to correct those and, and bestow them on our kids. Right. Yeah. And and I that's what I try to do with my two boys. I say, listen, I grew up, daddy grew up with, with four sisters and I respect women and I respect my sisters. And I said, don't you ever disrespect your mother or your grandmother or any other woman that comes in your life because you're going to have a problem with daddy. So <laughs> they know that's that. So, they know that. That is, that is so Italian. I mean, that's, you know, everybody <laughs> subscribes to, you know, treat women with uh, with respect, but Italians especially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know your, uh, my... My, my house would be upside down if it wasn't for my wife, that's for sure. So a shout out to her. <laughs> uh, just just some people saying hi, uh, some good friends. My friend, uh, Joe Bentivenia, big uh, big rocker as well, says hi. Hi, Lou. Hi, Ted. Johnny Ricci, another good friend of mine, he told me this prior when I told him you were being on my show. He met you several times at the Marriott where I work, and you're a gentleman and a great person to talk with. Johnny oh, Ricci was a waiter. Johnny the waiter. Yeah, he's a yes. great guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a terrific guy. Hey, Johnny, how are you? Yeah, he is. He's actually my yeah. one of my best friends. Yeah, I love that restaurant too. It's a shame that it's not open right now because it's a fantastic restaurant. It's the yeah. only place you can go to at the airport and park for free. Yes, that's you true. Can, yes, you can park. You can park downstairs at the Marriott, and then you go up to. Uh, Cripes, why is the name of the restaurant escaping me? It's the uh, uh, Bijou. Was that Bijou. it? Bijou? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You go up and, and, and Johnny validates your parking and away you go. Can yeah. you imagine parking at the airport for free? <laughs> Whoever heard of such a thing? I know. Uh, hey, but speaking of free parking, did you hear what uh, what our mayor said? There's free parking on weekends going downtown now. Well, I've heard that the mayor is saying, come on downtown, parking is free. And the premier is saying, stay at home, don't go out. So which, <laughs> which one is it going to be, you two? Maybe get on the same page. I don't know, Ted. Who should we listen to? Uh, you know what? I'm going to listen to the mayor because I've, I have I want to go out and I want to live my life. And, I, and I'm, I'm tired of, the, uh, I'm tired of the, uh, the fear porn. I understand that it's a pandemic and that it's, uh, that it's an infectious disease and that it's serious. But, you, you know, in... As far as I'm concerned, you can't shut all of society down and disrupt and and in some instances devastate millions and millions of lives yeah. to save thousands of lives. And I'm not saying, you know, too bad for the people who who uh, who get sick and die. I'm not saying that at all. I think protect the most vulnerable as best you can and let the rest of us get on with our lives uh, with certain precautions taking whether it's masks social distancing whatever but i know too many people who are in a real tough spot financially because they can't make a living yeah well it's it's funny you say that um i had uh well as, as i just said i have a lot of friends in the, the reception hall business work for restaurants own restaurants i was at cafe Borgiorno in in saint leonard on jean talent today a shout out to robert if he's watching and we were just talking about that and i'm like it, this is you know, I grew up with guys in the restaurant business and in hall business, and there was a story with you know, Kitchen Seventy Three uh, today with with the with the OQLF, and they're already having a hard time as it is, and, and then with all these rules, and they invest their money, make all the changes that you know the government wanted for you, and then a month later you shut them down, and and I, I'm I'm ta- I'm really really worried for 
uh, a lot of the businesses, yes, in particular, um, to, to friends of mine that own these businesses because I've seen them, the work, not, not the hours, the years that they've put into it um, and, and to see it all potentially go to shit in, 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 in a short period of time, it's really disheartening. And I'm worried about the after effects because we're not seeing it right now. People are not talking about, um, you know, the, the mental mental illness after this or or the mental breakdowns or the suicides. Well, it's, it's already happening. There's, uh, uh, I, I think there is already a spike in, in, uh, in suicides and in, uh, and in mental illness. I mean, you know, to, uh, I'll, I'll break my anonymity. I've been uh, a member in good standing of Alcoholics Anonymous for 23 and a half years. And I know that what people are taught in 12 step recovery programs is don't isolate. And what are we being yeah. told to do in the pandemic? We're being told to isolate. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, 12 step recovery programs are, are able to, to continue through, uh, through zoom meetings, which is good, but it's still not the same as having, as having in-person meetings. And there's also a lot of fundamental inconsistencies like, you know, they're, they're letting kids go to school so that you can pack the classroom, but you can't go to the restaurant and socially distance and, and have a meal. What's the, there's no consistency there. And Legault said, well, kids have to socialize. They do. So yes. we'll, risk, we'll risk the kids because they have to socialize. Like it just, it doesn't make sense to me. No, a lot, a lot doesn't make sense to me. And you said it perfectly before. Why can't we use some countries that have you, that, that just like you say, protect your vulnerable, make sure that they are protected and shielded. And whoever wants to resume with their life, let them resume with their life with the proper dis social distancing. Why well, not? Why is it? Sweden has done that. And I don't know enough about what has happened in Sweden. And it depends on what article you read and who, who wrote it. Either Sweden yeah. has been a success story or Sweden has been a disaster. I know that their death rate is higher than it is in, uh, in the other Scandinavian countries that are around them. But I think in, I think in the long haul, I think their long game uh, uh, has been or, or will ultimately prove to be successful. They're going for herd immunity. Yes. And, and I, think, I, think, I think that's, and this is just my opinion, and I'm not an expert or an epidemiologist, but we're not dealing with the bubonic plague here. You know, it's not 1642, and if you sneeze, that's it. It's a death sentence. Everyone knows you're going to die. You know, what's the what's the recovery rate for COVID? You know, what's the infection rate? It's you know, it's like close to 99% recovery yeah. rate, and it's like less than one percent infection rate. So really, we're going to shut everything down. We're gonna we're gonna cripple the economy for that. And you look at the money that Ottawa is spending. Your kids and my kids and their kids are going to be paying for that through the teeth for generations. Yeah, and the ramifications of that economically are going to go on forever. And um, you, you talked about recovery rates. Uh, let's talk about other types of rates. I came, um, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking to a sheriff in a town somewhere in the States, I, I believe in Texas, somewhere in Texas. And he says, prior to COVID, I would get a call. My, my, my unit would get a call for maybe one suicide per week. He says, since uh, COVID, five per day wow yeah that's bleak man okay let's let's talk about something fun and funny we've done <laughs> yeah. we've done uh, pedophilia and covid and suicide okay let's yes something else okay <laughs> we, <laughs> let's, let's pick it up a little bit here let's, let's talk let's, about i don't know let, let's funny read, cartoons yeah let, let's <laughs> let's read some comments johnny yeah. uh pisatoro another good friend of mine 
says, I still miss revisionist history on Shom in the morning. Well, then tell him to listen to Jewel 106.7. I do there it every morning at 7.15. Perfect. We just yeah. we just did. 106.7 uh, FM, online at Jewel1067.com. Exactly. Uh, oh, oh. radio app, smart speaker. There's no excuse, Johnny, not to listen. So you listen. Don't make me come over there. <laughs> Dario Vitali says, hi, love Ted Birdman. Uh, Adriano says, Ted Bird, you are a legend. Um, come next election, wouldn't it be a surprise Legault and Trudeau get thrown out? Well, we'll see, and we could only one could only hope, Dario. Ted, tell me, tell you know, at the beginning, I did a, a bit of a, a, a breakdown. I'd love to talk about just your career in radio, um, how how you came about it, what was your hardest gig? Uh, just just tell me about the other characters and. You know, just like give me a summary. How how how's 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 life been in in radio so far? How's it well, changed? Well, it's changed enormously, and I think the biggest and best example I can give you of of how much it's changed was when I went to work in Toronto in nineteen late nineteen seventy nine. It was actually about this time in seventy nine November, uh, and I got a job at a radio station in Toronto called CFTR, which was a huge top forty music station a top 40 music station. I got a job in the newsroom doing news and sports. There were 25 people in the newsroom at the top 40 radio station. Today, uh, CFTR is the biggest uh, news, all news station in the country. It's called uh, 680, is it 680 News? Is that what they call it? Something like that. Anyway, I'll bet you they don't, uh, I bet you they don't employ 25 people in total. So oh. that's that's the biggest the biggest change to me is how they've streamlined staff. There are not when I first when I came out of journalism school in 78 there were jobs for everybody. Mm -hmm. Now the jobs are very very difficult uh, to come by and my own son Sam is in sports studies at Ryerson in Toronto. He's studying from home obviously because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and he's actually doing the sports on my show a couple of times a week. And it's not uh, it's not nepotism because he's there as a as a student. It's an unpaid internship. I saw that. I saw that on uh, on yeah. uh, I think it was on Twitter. But yeah, yeah. But I would you know I was tr I try to encourage him and his brother Charlie. I've tried to encourage them to join the military. Look, guys, the military needs pilots. Become a pilot. You know, see the world, make good money, and get all the girls. <laughs> Seriously, that's great and, advice. Yeah. And Sam was like, no, I want to be, uh, I want to get into sports. And so that's his passion. So I'm not going to, dis I, I don't discourage him at all. I encourage him. And he's pretty good. He's way better already than I was at his age. I was a friggin' disaster when I first started out. He's already pretty sharp. Him and his, him and a buddy of his did a, did their first Ryerson radio show last week. And Sam was producing it uh, on his Apple, on his uh, Apple computer uh, at home. And it was a disaster. It was, they couldn't get on. It took them 10 minutes to get on the air. The production was an absolute disaster. And Sam was as cool as a cucumber and was still relaxed and slick and funny wow. on, on the show. Me at his age, if that, at that stage in my career, if that had happened, I would have completely panicked. So well, I think he'll do okay. Yeah, I, I think, and and I wish it. Uh, if he's anything like his dad, uh, I, I won't. I won't worry about him at all. But I think well, the he's kids... already he's already smarter and funnier than me. So, <laughs> are our kids already funnier and smarter than us? It's just it's incredible, isn't it? I look at yeah. my eleven year old and I'm like, how is it possible? He says, "Oh, daddy, you just don't know. You don't understand." Yeah, of course. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
You're so, old, Dad. Yeah. yeah. So, Tom, like we talked about news and just media and, and this 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 um, attack on media uh, in the culture of PC. Um, on that end, I mean, have have you been around that? Do you feel that in your environment at the radio station? Uh, just the way the way in general society has looked upon a media and this attacking and, and always having to be politically correct. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, there's certain, I'm not going to say the stations that I would listen to. Um, and, and Ted, I almost, I had to stop listening to it because I was, I just got tired of the PC shit. It was always just always it, it, it's sort of like a scripted answer is it possible everybody working for this radio station only sees one way and and the right way and the way we should see things i just find that media and just i know understand that you know that there's big bell and rogers behind it but are we to the point that you can't even give or or work for a radio station uh, let's say for example an all talk show um news station and and just go against the grain. Is that is that even possible today, Ted? No, not not as much as it used to be. You have to be awfully good, uh, or you have to be so big and powerful that you can break all the rules. Howard Stern is probably the best example of that. Yeah, he can he can break all the rules because he's that he's that powerful. But um, you know, there's there's an opening right now for um, morning show host at uh, CBC Daybreak Montreal. And, uh, and I, I saw that and I laughed to myself because I'm qualified, uh, for mm -hmm. that, for that job. But in a million years, they wouldn't hire me because I don't have the right ideology. You know, I'm a get a haircut and get a real job conservative ideologically. I'm not a card carrying member of any political party, but my, uh, my, my politics lean conservative. They don't mm -hmm. lean, you know, I'm not right of Attila the Hun or anything like that. But, <laughs> But uh, no, what you're talking about, about the media, the media has largely brought that upon itself because the media is, uh, and I think, it's a, I think it's a reflection of the, of the types or the type of person who's attracted to uh, the field, particularly the field of journalism. They're generally idealists. Yeah. They, want, they want to make the world a better place. And as idealists, they overwhelmingly lean to the left and increasingly, they're becoming woke, if you know what I mean by the woke oh, mentality, right? Oh boy! And they're they're getting that they're getting that. I think they're getting that uh, in university from their professors. I think that's where uh, where they're getting most of that. And you know what? Part of that's on uh, part of that's on on my generation uh, as parents. I guess we didn't you know we didn't do a good enough job of instilling. Uh, you know, uh, of giving them a, a broader perspective or, or some balance. Although I must say that my kids, um, with the exception of my daughter, uh, my eldest, she's uh, she's 30 now and she lives in Paris. She's very woke. It's very difficult okay. for her. And it's very difficult for her and I to talk politics because we are polar opposites. And it's actually funny. I went over with my son, Sam, a couple of years ago, we went over to Paris to visit her and mm -hmm. Sam had to like police our conversations. As soon as he saw it going in the wrong direction, dad, dad, don't, dad, don't do it. Don't say it, dad, dad, yeah. don't go there. Yeah. So, but, but, but my other, my other uh, three, well, my 12 year old, she's, she's too young to really have any kind of, yeah. uh, you know, to be, to be involved uh, 
politically or ideo- ideologically. But my two boys are are a lot are a lot like me. Uh, but I know what you mean about you know you, you you turn on the radio now and you can't find the last time you could find an alternative viewpoint on the radio station I assume you're talking about was Tommy Schnurmacher. Yes, and, thank you very much. And Tommy was not right wing, but Tommy was common sense. You know, there you go. And I've always yeah. said it. Why do I have to be left or right? Why can't I just be common sense? And yeah. I God, I miss Tommy. Anyway. I miss you. I miss Tommy. I, I miss a lot of people on the radio. But now that's why I Do guess- I have to tell you again, Luigi? Jewel 106.7. <laughs> I'm there every weekday morning from I, 5.30 to 10. I promise you uh, I will listen to it because uh, in the in the morning, I listen primarily to podcasts now just because of that, that there is a lot more selection in terms of trying to get different points of view. But I just I find that we've lost, Ted, that art of just discussing. Just let's talk. You know, and just to go back to a point you said before, I don't think it's 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 a fault of you as a parent or just in generalize as a parent, because you said it before, right? When you have professors calling out universities, sure, yeah, I'm sure you know who Jordan Peterson is. Yeah, um, calling out that that our universities are indoctrinating our 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 kids, and not necessarily because these university professors feel this way. But they're doing it because they don't want to basically lose their, um, what is it called, the fellowship? What is it called when you have a, a um, the word escapes me. Anyway, uh, professorship at, at, at esteemed universities, they will not go against the grain. They're tenured. They're tenured. Yes, thank you very much. Couldn't find that word. So they're, they're losing, they're scared about, so they say, you know what, doesn't matter how I'm talking. There's only a few select university um, professors that have the courage to speak up, sort of like in Montreal, and he was on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast that, that I, I listen to a lot. To, uh, Gad Sad, he's terrific. Yeah, he really is from. Yeah, I like I like him a lot, Gad Sad, and Same I like here. Jordan. I like Jordan Peterson as well, and Jordan Peterson really put himself out there, and his health suffered as a result. Yes, there was such enormous pressure on him, and such an enormous amount of abuse heaped on him, and. You know, Jordan Jordan Peterson's thing began with he, uh, compelled speech, and I, yes. I I support him a hundred percent. You should not have to use the pronouns that someone demands that you use. You should yeah. be able to speak any way you want to speak. You know, within the bounds of the law. Now, at this point, I believe that we might even have a law at this point, or I know that that Trudeau was working on one that did compel speech when yes. it comes to pronouns and that kind of thing. And I strongly disagree with that because that, you know, that's that's going down the road to authoritarianism. And it's ironic to me that the people who run around calling everyone else Nazis and fascists are closer to being Nazis and fascists <laughs> than the people that they're accusing. And Winston Churchill said that when fascists return, they will return under the guise of anti-fascists. Yes, that's exact. What a great, another one of my heroes, Winston Churchill. Um, I just brought this up in my previous podcast is, you know, it goes with everything, the PC culture, um, forced, forced pronouns and how we calling out to people is, um, I know it's, it's, it's basic, but if we, if we erase history or we don't talk about history, aren't we doomed to repeat it? Well, that's another, uh, I don't know who said that one, but that's another, uh, that's another, uh, uh, 
popular old adage. You know, I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with anyone else holding a, a different opinion, and I don't have a problem with anybody identifying themselves the way that they choose to identify themselves. But I do not feel compelled to buy into that identity if I don't believe it. If I don't believe in it, it's it's that's the you know go ahead call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Mm-hmm. You cannot demand that I do that. I totally agree with you. And tell me this: how do how do you see this, Ted? This has always been. I've been a big. This has been the way I look at this: is why does government or general public opinion have to change laws and general public opinion? for a very small minority for the rest of the majority because the very small minority is very vocal and and it's a sign of the times and i think what we're seeing now is i i think social media drives the the narrative a lot now and uh and i think that social media is uh is uh amplified out of proportion and i think that a small number of of social justice activists are amplified out of proportion but the power of social media is such that uh, individuals and in particular corporations don't want to run afoul of them because they don't want to take a chance they don't want to take the chance of of uh, well they just don't want to take a chance right because at the end of the day money talks i don't want to lose my job because i offended somebody on social media and Mm -hmm. corporations don't want to lose money or business because they offended somebody on social media and that's why everybody tiptoes and that's why uh the people who yell the loudest these days often get their way yeah um so my my next question to you is do you see a time where this madness just goes back to normal that if it slowly goes away or or... the the pendulum always swings right but i don't i don't know if we're going to see it in my lifetime necessarily but but every rebellion every generation it seems sort of rebels against the generation that came before it so i can see maybe 15 or 20 years from now some teenage kid saying you know what, Dad? I don't care about your vagina. I just need a ride to hockey practice, okay? So stop crying or give me the fucking car keys, okay? <laughs> so good. It's so true, and that that could be you know that could be used in so many aspects of life and and different topics. Um, I guess I guess we'll have to wait and learn. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, the pendulum, the pendulum always swings slowly when it comes to things like that. So you know, it won't change overnight, but at some point it will, you know, it will swing back again. I sometimes my, yeah, sometimes my head, and I hope you're right. Sometimes my head just literally explodes when I, I just hear things and it just every day there's something new. It's just incredible. Well, um, listen, one, one, th- one thing I've learned in 12-step recovery is you cannot control other people, places, or things. So you just have to do the best that you can do. Keep your own side of the street clean. And and that's the best you can do, you know? That's great advice. So basically control, like Jordan Peterson says, clean your own house first and keep yeah. your own house in order. Control what, control what you can control. Yeah. Because if you try to control other people or events that are beyond your control, you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. I, I'd love to 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 talk about um, something that's um, near and dear to I, I'm sure to you I know it is um, and and it has become to me for for many reasons uh, a few years back uh, 
let's say four or five years back, I had the pleasure of meeting as a guest speaker for the company that I was working for at the time on our annual conference. And he was good friends with the one of the VPs in my company, uh, a mutual friend, Stephen Gregory. And uh, I had the, the amazing pleasure of, of seeing him speak. And that's when his story um, came to me. And when I found out about this, and then of course your involvement in um, Operation Husky. So can you tell the people watching and listening what exactly who St Stephen Gregory is and what Operation Husky is? Okay, well, Operation Husky, for starters, was the code name of the invasion of Sicily by the British, Canadians, and Americans in 1943. So Steve Gregory is a Montreal businessman who had a Canadian military World War II veteran to his house for dinner one night, and this guy was telling Steve's son, Eric, who also has become a good friend of mine, the story of the Canadian assault on uh, Monte Asoro in Sicily. And Asoro is a town in Sicily that uh, was in the Canadians' path in World War II, and they had to take the town, and they realized that there was only one road going into the town, and the Germans had it well bracketed with, uh, with uh, uh, heavy weapons, and if the Canadians had tried to go in on that road, they would have been wiped out. So there's a mountain on the backside of the town, and so they thought, okay, well, that's the only way in. We've got to scale that mountain in the middle of the night and take them by surprise. And it's kind of like the, you ever see the movie, The Devil's Brigade? It's an, yes. old, it's an old movie from about, I don't know, 50 years ago with Cliff Robertson and, uh, and uh, uh, I think William Holden is in it. Anyway, it's, it's the same type of thing. And it's also based on a true story of a, of a joint Canadian-American outfit that went up the backside of a mountain to attack a German position from behind. So this is what the Canadians did. And Steve's son, Eric, thought that was such a fantastic story that he decided to do a school project, a history project on it. And I think he was in grade eight or nine at the time. Yeah. And he tried to find information on it and he couldn't. And, and there was just very little resource material available on it. And Steve was so appalled that this great Canadian uh, uh, feat of arms was basically lost to history that he decided he was going to start a project to make sure that the Canadians who fought and particularly the Canadians who fought and died in Sicily would be remembered. And so he started Operation Husky 2013 and he organized a trip to Sicily in 2013 and they ended up, I think about 300 of them went and they followed the footsteps of the Canadians in the Battle of Sicily in 1943 from where they landed in Pechino all the way up to, uh, uh, I think it's Adrano was, was was where it ended. It was about three about a three hundred kilometer march, and they walked it. They walked the and whole. Thing. I've been in. I've been oh, in that actually. Heat. It was I think it was in Ajira. Yeah, it was in Ajira where it ended, and in Ajira, the um, the uh, oh god, the Seaforth Highlanders uh, in nineteen forty three. The Seaforth Highlanders put on a concert, like a, a drums and pipes bagpipes concert. Mm -hmm. uh, for the townspeople to sort of mark the liberation. And the, and Steve brought pipers and drummers over to recreate that concert 70 years later in, in 2013. And uh, I helped promote that a little bit in 2013. And then he decided, okay, for the 70th 75th anniversary, we were going back in 2018. And he invited me to come and asked me to do the social media for uh, yeah. prior to and during the trip. And so I, so I did that. And uh, I didn't do the whole thing because I think the whole thing was about five weeks. And I went, I joined them about two weeks in and stayed for about 
two weeks. And uh, Steve and I walked up, uh, like walk slash climbed up the backside of Monte Osoro, just like those Canadian troops did mm -hmm. uh, 75 years prior. Now, the difference was, uh, you know, we did it in our, you know, cargo shorts and sneakers and uh, we weren't carrying 60 or 80 pounds of uh, ammunition and weapons and Gear, equipment. Yeah. And we weren't, we, we weren't wearing those thick wool army uniforms in the, uh, in the Sicilian summer heat. And there were no Germans shooting at us. So it was quite a bit easier for us uh, to get up there. Uh, but it was just, it was a, an unbelievable experience. The whole thing, not just, I mean, climbing up the backside of Monte Osoro was, was, a great experience but the whole thing was a was a fantastic experience well i i why i wanted to talk about this is because i am uh, like you i love history i'm a history buff and uh when i came across this story and then your involvement in it uh, being in sicily uh from where both my parents were, were raised uh, born and raised uh was hit a chord in me and and i remember watching I, I believe it was the first one, Ted, correct me if I'm wrong, when they were on a, on a stage and, and uh, Stephen was reading out all the names of all the sol uh, soldiers that, that perished. And yeah, that was at the cemetery. Uh, was his son hold, had his hand on his shoulder? Yeah. Because he just... <laughs> I can't. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, I'm not. I'm getting have, emotional. So, it, have you been? Have you been? No, I haven't. And and we talked about this off air. I, and I promise that I yes, I will on my next uh, trip to to Sicily. Try to make a point to be there uh, because you know uh, now with COVID, we're supposed to go next year. Uh, we'll see. I try to go every two years. Uh, and and Pacino is not too far uh, from 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 our hometown. Well, where I would go, if I was you, I would go okay. to Ajira and go to that military cemetery. And I would urge anybody, any Canadian who goes overseas to Europe, if you go to to France, to Italy, to Sicily, I think there's a Canadian, at least one Canadian military cemetery in, uh, in Germany and in the Netherlands. Go to a Canadian military cemetery in Europe and your perspective will be totally changed. When you walk down those rows, there's 562 graves in Ajira. Uh, in Normandy, I've been to the cemetery in Bene-sur-Mer, I think there's 2,000 graves of Canadians. And you look, at the, you look at the ages, 19, 22, 21, 18, 24, all young, young, young men who went over there willingly, like without hesitation, and, and put their lives on the line because that's what they believed in, you know? Yeah. And it was, I know it was, it was a different time back then, but I would like to think that if we ever, if we ever were in a situation where, where our liberty was under siege the way it was back then, I would like to think that young people today would, would uh, pick up the torch as well. Answer the bell. Well, yeah. um, so would I, um, just amazing, amazing courage. I, I can't even, I can't even put myself in that mindset, um, Ted, to, to, can you imagine what, goes through the soldier's mind uh back way back then and you know warfare was was completely different well you know what's um, interesting is if you talk to any of the uh and there aren't too many left but but over the years i've had the pleasure and the privilege of meeting a lot of world war ii veterans and most of them are just um you know they were well that's you know that's what we had to do we went over yeah. and we did what we had to do and uh 
my favorite, one of my favorite stories uh, about one of my favorite people is the stepfather of a friend of mine. His name was Mike Sheehy. And Mike was a tanker with the Fort Gary Horse Regiment. And he went ashore on D-Day. And he fought in Normandy for, I think he made it about five or six weeks. And then his tank got hit. And uh, he lost uh, part of his, um, the, he lost the lower half of one leg. So they, so they took him off the line and they shipped him home and they fitted him with a prosthetic. And he had, he had like a, a prosthetic lower half of his one leg for the rest of his life. And for the rest of his life, every time a woman walked into the room, he was the first man to stand up with his fake leg for the rest of his life. Cause that's who they, that's who he yeah. was and that's Just, who they were, you know? That's why they call him the greatest generation ever. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. And uh, you know, I, I commend uh, Stephen Gregory for, for doing this. And I just, uh, when I was doing a little bit of research, was he given a commendation from the Ministry of Veteran Affairs in February of 2019? I believe he was. I know he's given, he's gotten at least one commendation from the Ministry of Veterans Affairs. He's also been named the honorary colonel of the, I believe it's the Second Field Regiment, which is based in the, you know, the armory on Cote de Neige Road? Yes. Uh, he's the honorary colonel of, uh, of that regiment. And he's... Uh, He's well recognized and well respected within the military community for all the work that he's done to bring uh, to bring honor to uh, the veterans. What uh, anyway? I just I'm just uh, feel so blessed to have met him and and uh, to have met you now and you being involved in this. And I promise you, I hope one day we will meet in Sicily and do it together. Well, I would imagine <laughs> we'll be going back again at some point. We went yeah. in 2018. We went last year as well. And uh, another really interesting thing that I learned, and I learned this last year after going, like I'm a big World War II buff. So over the years, I've, uh, you know, my poor, my first wife and my second wife, I've, I've dragged them to uh, <laughs> to battlefields in, in Europe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I, and there Come on, no, it's yeah, it's so romantic. Yeah, seriously. Hey, and here's where the third division landed, honey. Here, put this helmet on. Yeah, I'll be, Ted, I'll be at the beach. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I did. I've done Normandy, and I've done um, uh, the Ardennes Forest, where the Battle of the Bulge was fought, and I've done uh, uh, Remagen, which is the, you know the movie A Bridge Too Far. Operation. Uh, no, but... Okay, well, that's Operation Market Garden. It was this huge airborne operation in 1944, very famous. So okay. I've done all. I've done. I did those three battlefields, and I did self-guided tours. And I knew, I knew what happened in those battles, but I didn't know enough specifics that I could really wrap my head around it to the extent that I that I maybe would have liked to. And I I learned last year on the trip to Sicily uh, the value of. Uh, Look at that. There's a hey, there's that's a like the, yeah. the, the presidential. Uh, the <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm Mike Pence. That's amazing. Yeah. The value, the value of a guided tour of having a professional historian with you. Last year we had David Patterson, who's a retired Canadian general, and and he knows the Battle of Sicily inside out. So okay. so we would I I specifically remember one town we were in, and we were up on this ridge, and he explained it. He said, okay. He said the Germans were dug in on the front side of the ridge right here with machine guns. And on the back side of the ridge, they had mortars dug in. The Canadians came down that road over there. The they came down in tanks and then they turned and they headed up this ridge, the tanks and the artillery and the, or the tanks and the, and the infantry. And, they, and the artillery, several kilometers back, started shelling the ridge and the shells steadily 
advanced like in 50 meter increments or whatever and you could totally picture it and you could understand the way he explained it you could understand mm -hmm. the strategy you, and you really got a real picture of the battlefield as opposed to you know when i was in you know in holland or in the ardennes forest for example you know i just kind of stood there and went well i wonder if anything happened here yeah it's, it's a you different know? it's a, yeah it's a different yeah i i i don't know if you feel the same way i haven't been to that one in in sicily but I did one of my first Italian trips. I went to Monte Cassano, and there was a huge battle there. I believe yeah. World War II, with a lot of um, yeah, Mon Monte Cassino. Yeah, Monte Cassino, yeah. and on top yeah. of the Abbey. Yeah. And Ted, I, I swear, I'm I'm not making this up. I felt this overwhelming um, uh, feeling of of sadness, almost as if like just knowing there and looking onto this field that so many lives were taken there it it i was i was overcome it's it's as if i was the battle was happening right in front of me literally and and i remember did my wife was, did you go to the cemetery yes yes yeah that's where you really get an idea of oh. of the kind of sacrifice that was made yeah and what a overwhelming feeling that i cannot put into words you just have to be there for yourself and feel everything and and there's the tour guide just telling you at the same time, and you could just imagine, and you close your eyes, the fear, the death. Wow, what a feeling! I I could strongly suggest if anybody has a remote interest in in military history, to 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 do this if you can, because I'm telling you, it, it will change your perspective on a lot of things. Yeah, I went to uh, Ortona as well, on the Adriatic coast in Italy. And that's where my uh, my great uncle is buried there. He was in Ortona on New Year's Eve, 1943. And his name was Ted, Ted Williston. He was my father's okay. favorite uncle. So I was I was named after him. And I went in uh, 2005 and I visited his grave. And I was actually able to, from, from reading and research I'd done, I was basically able to, to go to, you know, within a few hundred square meters, the, the, the area where he... Uh, was killed but again it's just so wow. much has changed you know in so much had changed in uh in in 70 years or 60 years i guess it would have been at that point would have been 60 yeah 60 years 62 years that you know you really couldn't wrap your head around around it but i have a great picture um uh of me and my sons and at the time sam was 2005 sam was six and charlie was four standing in front of uncle ted's headstone in the military cemetery and the body language on the boys is really something to see you can tell from their body language that they understand that this is something that's very uh, sacred you know yeah. and very and very important it's really a sh shit i wish i had the picture in front of me so i could stick it up in front of the uh, oh that's that's yeah that would have been nice but th that's okay i mean um i got I it on, i got it on my phone here somewhere i'll find oh, it okay it, it's, it's okay really, uh, it's really, it's really something else. But even at that, at that young age, they kind, of, they got it, you know. Yeah. They under, they understood. And I don't remember, you know, whether or what exactly I, I said to them uh, at the time, but it was certainly enough that, uh, that that they understood. On that, uh, on that note, Ted, do you think the Canadian government is doing enough to take care of our veterans? 
it's hard for me to say because I really don't know. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not. I just don't know enough about it. Can you see that? Um, just a little bit. Uh, no, a little bit higher. That way and turned that way. Yeah. You see the body? Oh yeah, they were young. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I don't know. The lighting's not great, but yeah, that's okay. Charlie's got his hands clasped behind yes. his back. There. Yes, yeah. yes. It's really something. Almost as if, look at that, at, at a young age, almost as just respecting the moment. Yeah, that's it. They, yeah. were, they were very respectful, and I was, it makes me very proud of them. It's yeah. four years old, you know? That's a great picture. Yeah. The reason why I asked you is just because I hear stories um, of, of veterans having to fight for their benefits, and I'm a big proponent that you were there when your country needed you, and then at that famous town hall meeting when when uh, our, our drama teacher, prime minister, yeah. told a veteran, had the balls to answer a veteran that we just don't have the money. Yeah, you're that, asking, I think his exact words were, you're asking too much. That to me, Ted, I will never forget. That was one of the most disgusting displays I have ever seen. You say this to a veteran, Ted, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Are you really like, I will never forget that. Never. You will never live that down that moment. When you're throwing around money like a drunken sailor all across the world to countries that you've never heard about, then you have the balls to tell a veteran that you're asking for too much. I don't know, Ted, I have a yeah. huge problem with that. Yeah. Well, again, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure of the breakdown um, or, or what exactly the services are, uh, and whether they're sufficient, but I do strongly believe that, you know, veterans should be, uh, the first people we take care of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they were the first ones, no questions asked. And they took care of us. Yeah. You know, in my, in my line of work, I've met a lot. I've been lucky. Uh, you know, I'm a mortgage broker and I've done mortgages for a lot of military, um, uh, people and God, they were just beautiful people. Just, just, no questions asked, respectful, appreciative of everything you do for them. And then on, and you know that they'll be the first ones to run through a hail of bullets just for that Canadian flag on their shoulder. Yeah. So um, a shout out to where if, if you know any veterans or if there's any veterans listening or watching, a shout out. You have, I think, <laughs> I speak for Ted that you have our endless respect. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, no question. Um, Dario Vitali says... I'll put the uh, the comment. Dario, Dario listens to the jewel. Yeah, he does. Ted be Bird, like, with your, be like Dario. Yeah, he says Ted Bird. With your war knowledge, you could be filthy rich, co-writing songs with Steve Harris and Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a couple of uh, of uh, war buffs as well. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, Dario's a big uh, rocker. Loving tonight's show, one thousand percent. Thanks, Dario. I really appreciate that, buddy. Dario's a big supporter of my show as well. So, um. Ted, on that end, we did an hour. Did we really? Yeah, passes fast, that. eh? Yeah, you're right. Well, I wonder what uh, Czechoslovakia movie with Slovenian subtitles <laughs> I'm going to watch now that we're done. <laughs> Ted, just tell our listeners, whoever is listening and watching, where they could um, just repeat again. Can it? Uh, is there uh, an app, actually, that we could listen to, uh, Joel? Um, I'm not sure that I think there's a jewel app. Yeah. And there's okay. also, we're on the iHeartRadio app. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. We're at 106.7 FM. And if you've got a smart speaker, we're on there. Just, uh, Hey, Alexa, or whoever's your smart speaker gal, put on the jewel yeah. 106.7 and there we are. 
Awesome, Ted. Yeah. Weekday mornings, uh, 5.30 to 10, and we have a lot of fun. Guaranteed at least two belly laughs or we'll refund double your misery. <laughs> I forgot to ask you, though. I got to ask you this, okay? Because I've been there, like I said before. How much weight did you gain in Sicily? Because I followed you on social media. Come on, tell me know. the truth. I, I, I never weigh myself. <laughs> I, I never weigh myself, but fortunately, I had lost a, a bunch in the in the two or three years prior to to going to Sicily, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, the, the food was absolutely fantastic. You know, one thing though that I noticed about Sicily, and I don't know if this, um, I didn't spend enough time in mainland Italy to know if this okay. extends to Italy. The towns are beautiful. In particular, there's a town called Centuripe that I would strongly suggest. It's called okay. the, uh, I think it's I Balconi di Sicilia, the balcony of Sicily. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's absolutely spectacular. But in the countryside of Sicily, there's a lot of litter alongside the road. Yes. Is that in mainland Italy as well? And is, uh, that an, is there an infrastructure problem or what's going on there? Not as, not as much, Ted. Uh, it could go on for, because I had the same problem and I had this discussion with my aunts and uncles and cousins. And um, it's, it's a combination of an infrastructure problem. It's a combination of uh, old mindset of, oh, it's not my house. I could just throw it there. It's a combination of uh, infrastructure and garbages and who has these garbage contracts, if you could read between the line. Right. Um, so anyway, it's a combination. It's a, real shame. it's a real shame because it's it so is. beautiful there. It's so beautiful there. But yeah. you get out, in the, out of the towns and into the countryside and there's garbage all along the yeah, side of the road. It, it was really, it was surprising and disappointing. It, I mean, I, I'll always go to our hometown and all our hometowns, is, and they're all small. And it really, it still bothers me. Uh, but I've almost gotten used to it now, but it really well, listen, it still again, bothers it's, me. It's one of those things is, you know, clean up your garbage and that's all you can do. You yeah. can't clean up everybody's, you know? Yeah. So I, I just try to, they'll get it figured out. Yeah. I just try to understand it. Um, it's, it's, it's still weird for me, really. Yeah. I, I don't understand why they wouldn't do something about it when you have such a, a, a natural, beautiful, gorgeous island. Yeah. with endless beaches and then you just you see that you come out of a beach and then you go there and you see that and what the you know come on yeah. but yeah it goes to what you just said exactly so uh i i, I look forward to, to going back and and hopefully meeting up there and and, and with steven and and you hopefully well, one listen, day the last time we the last time we went there were package deals available we invited people to come with us like mm -hmm. you pay, i think i think you pay your airfare and then the land the transportation and the meals and the and the hotels are taken care of yeah. or whatever and and they were good deals like we're not we weren't staying in five star resorts but we weren't staying in dives either yeah it was uh, it was a great way to see it was a great way to see that part of Sicily and certainly a great way to learn about the Canadian service and sacrifice in Sicily yeah absolutely we're gonna go out with this comment just because Dario you got to see this. this is great Ted Bird I speak for all who always love you thank you for being you. Well, that's, God love you, Dario. Grazie. Molto grazie. That's really, really nice. Ted, uh, I want to say a huge thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a, really a pleasure, honestly. Um, for me, it's 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 a, it's an accomplishment for me for having you on the show. I, I truly do appreciate you. Uh, I, I could speak to a lot of Montrealers that have uh, and still do appreciate you. And we thank you for everything that you've done for the, uh, especially for the English community in Montreal. Thank you, Luigi. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for being on. Guys, thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe, and we will see you next week. Joy Elias is going to be my guest next Joey. week.
Yes. That'll be good. He'll yeah, probably, that'll be good. You'll probably be funny right out of the gate as opposed to start off with pedophilia. <laughs> probably. I'll try to avoid that maybe. Well, who knows? We'll try to make that funny. We'll see. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Have a great evening. Have a great Friday evening. Thanks again, Ted. All righty. Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time.